Hey everyone, Greg Schutz here, readyforthedraft.com. This is the Ready for the Draft podcast. For those of you that didn't tune into last episode, I'm nursing a, a torn Achilles uh, sustained out in California three weeks ago, visiting family, uh, running up Inspiration Point there uh, in Corona Del Mar with my wife. Um, luckily, no surgery. I'm actually walking around on crutches, uh, some assisted walking, uh, and hopefully about a week I'll be able to walk on it without any uh, any assistance in this boot. Um, obviously, total healing process for an Achilles tear is a year, uh, one month down, many more to go, but uh, at least no surgery, so that's the good news, right? But that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about uh, the NFL Draft and obviously Super Bowl 53. We know who's going to be playing in that game. Los Angeles Rams taking down the Saints in overtime. Greg Zerline with the 57-yard field goal to win it. Rams going to the Super Bowl for the first time in L.A. since 1980. Played there in the Rose Bowl, Super Bowl 14 against the Pittsburgh Steelers, going down to defeat 31-19. Last time the L.A. Rams were in the Super Bowl. Uh, obviously, they made it there twice in St. Louis in 2000. Uh, you know, Super Bowl 34, taking down the Titans one yard away from a touchdown. Mike Jones sealing the victory there for the Rams. And obviously now taking on the Patriots, who, who took down the Chiefs in overtime. Tom Brady driving the Patriots down, not allowing Patrick Mahomes to see the field. And, uh, you know, the Rams now, this sets up for a potential, uh, you know, can the Avenge, um, you know, when the St. Louis Rams took on the Patriots, Super Bowl uh, 36, February 3rd, 2002. So that's exactly you know 17 years to the day, uh, you know the Super Bowl 53 will be pl- will be played uh, on February 3rd, uh, but the Rams going down to defeat. You know you'll remember Adam Vinatieri kicking that field goal with no time remaining, and uh, ultimately that was the beginning of the Belichick Tom Brady era. So when you look at the Rams, you look at the Patriots, I think you could definitely see some areas that you could see those teams addressing in the draft. The Rams, uh, I, I think safety was was one area that uh, was a glaring need, but obviously that inside linebacker position. Corey Littleton and Mark Barron were exposed time and time again. Alvin Kamara, 11 receptions, 98 yards. To me, I'm looking at the Rams and to me it makes the most sense for them to be looking inside linebacker in round one of this draft when you're talking about that inside linebacker position I don't think Devin White is getting past Green Bay I I look at Green Bay I think they need speed at that interior linebacker position and uh, I think that's where Devin uh, Devin White if he's not going in the top 10 he'll go to the Green Bay Packers Uh, but you have Devin Bush you have uh, Mac Wilson potentially sitting there. Um, those are definitely guys to me that I look at inside backer uh, going to the Rams in round one. Uh, and then, you know, the, the Patriots, who do you take there? You know, it, it, do they need a quarterback? You know, with Tom Brady, you know, with things winding down, do they go Kyler Murray out of, out of Oklahoma? Do they look to potentially trade up? They were talking about possibly trading up to get Baker Mayfield. So is this a guy that they, they look to, to bring in, um, to ultimately fill the shoes of uh, Tom Brady, you know that's going to be a, a huge question mark. Really, what are the, the these teams going to be doing in free agency? What do these guys look at look like at the combine? But all of these players that I've mentioned, um, you know, when you talk about Devin White, 
Devin Bush, uh, Mac Wilson, Kyler Murray, you know, Rob Gronkowski, uh, could be retiring. There's all, there's that talk. So you have Noah Fant, Irv Smith Jr., TJ Hawkinson, um, you know, all of these, these guys that I've just mentioned, they're all underclassmen. That's really what we're here to talk about in episode 17 is the underclassmen. This year, a record 135 underclassmen have declared for the draft. Uh, and then, you know, if you want to get technical, there are another nine um, who have inquired about their draft status. They're eligible for the draft and they're not coming back for their final season. So a total of 144 players that are added to the draft that wouldn't have otherwise uh, be considered. Um, but 103 players forego their, their last year or their remaining eligibility to enter the draft. And then 32 actually fulfilled their degree requirements and uh, are, are entering the draft as well. Um, you know, guys that fall into that category, the likes of, of Daniel Jones, um, Hakeem Butler, Jonah Williams, Cleveland Farrell, uh, Furl, um, you know, just to name a few who are entering the draft after fulfilling those degree requirements. And then, as I said, there are nine that uh, are eligible for the draft. They're, they're entering the draft instead of coming back for their final season. Jordan Brailford, uh, LJ Scott, uh, you know, two of the, you know, the, the biggest names uh, on that board. Uh, we'll get into the specifics there in just a moment. But if you just look strictly on the numbers here, you have 135 total uh, underclassmen. 82 on offense, 53 on defense. Offensively, and really the the, the most uh, underclassmen, uh, was at the wide receiver position. 27 wide receivers entering the draft. Now, I'll tell you what, you know, the underclassmen have really made this a strength in this in this draft class. When you look at the wide receiver position, you know, the likes of, of Anthony Johnson of Buffalo, David Sills of West Virginia, um, you know, who am I missing? Uh, Andy Isabella out of, uh, out of UMass, you know, to name a few, you know, the receiving core for this, this draft class was not, you know, was not a strength. It was really one that was lacking and, and not very exciting. So, you know, the likes of, of Nikhil Harry, that was a given, um, you know, or uh, Hakeem Butler, the, the big playability there, uh, Marquise Brown, um, you know, the, the speedster Hollywood out of Oklahoma, uh, Riley Ridley from, from Georgia, you know, Kel, Kelvin Harmon of NC State, guys that can make plays down the field, DK Metcalf and AJ Brown of, of Ole Miss, um, you know, JJ Arcega Whiteside, the, the big guy, you know, posting things up in, in, in the red zone, LJ, uh, you know, little Jordan Humphrey, uh, you know, an, another big physical receiver, all declaring for the draft, you know, really the top. You know, and I failed to mention him. The, the top senior wideout, probably Debo Samuel out of South uh, South Carolina. Although uh, some of the medicals need to check out with him. You know, someone whose career has basically been riddled with injuries throughout the season, or throughout his uh, his uh, four years there in Columbia. But uh, that draft class, twenty seven receivers, and you know all those guys that I've named, they're among the top ten receivers in this draft class. Obviously, there's some question marks, uh, some guys. When you look at this draft class, you know you you're left scratching your head. And we'll take a look at those here in just a little bit. But now that receiving core for this draft class, you know that that gives a much needed boost. Uh, you know, number two in that group is the running back position. Yet again, uh, you know, a, a draft class senior-wise that was really lacking. Obviously, you had Karan Higdon, um, you know, 
Dexter Williams has to answer some of the questions about his off-field issues. Uh, but Raquel Armstead of, of Temple, you know, but you know, obviously, you know, Bryce Love with his, his ACL injury, really unfortunate for him, but he's a guy who's been been riddled with injuries. So the draft class at the senior position, you know, for seniors, senior running backs was really lacking. So 21 running backs declared for the draft. You know, obviously the likes of Josh Jacobs, uh, David Montgomery, uh, Devin Singletary, you know, just to name a few in this draft class are declaring and entering the draft. Uh, you know, I didn't even mention Daryl Henderson and Travion Williams. Really a lot of guys, if you're looking for a running back, you could probably find anything just about that you're looking at. You know, whether it's a guy who you want to have be your workhorse and your number one, a guy who could be a change of pace back, a guy who's going to be able to catch the football out of the backfield. This draft class has it. Uh, and I think that, you know, the 21 underclassmen at running back have definitely strengthened this. And you know what, when we look at the skill positions, how about the tight end position? That's another one uh, where I think the senior class was really lacking. You know, obviously, you know, Josh Oliver out of San, uh, San Jose State, uh, Foster Monroe of LSU, um, Tommy Sweeney uh, of Boston College, Drew Sample of Washington. You know, those are all guys that, you know, They'd probably be late round picks, you know, with the exception of maybe Josh, Josh Oliver. You know, I didn't mention CJ Conrad. You know, I think those are all guys who could probably fall in the third, fourth, fifth round range. But there's nobody who's really going to excite you uh, in that draft class. So 13 tight ends taken. So just between, you know, the receivers, running backs, you know, if, if you're doing the math at home, you know, that's doing it really quick here. 61 of those 135 um, are from the skilled position players on offense. You know, tight end position, Irv Smith Jr., Noah Fan, TJ Hawkinson, um, you know, lead the way with this draft class. But, you know, you can look at that class and it makes perfect sense. When you look at it, these are going to be guys that are going to be drafted, um, you know, in the first few rounds and they have the skill set um, to make an impact early on. Offensive tackle, 10 offensive tackles. You know, last year we, we had a down year for, for the tackle position. This year I'm looking at it and, and you can see as many as, uh, you know, four or five tackles that could be taken in round one. Obviously the, the top senior tackle, Yadni just out of West Virginia. Um, but looking at the, the underclassmen, Jonah Williams, arguably the, the, the top tackle in this, in this draft. Could he move inside? Sure. Uh, is he going to move inside? Probably not. I think he'll be a tackle. Uh, you have Greg Little out of Mississippi, Jawan Taylor uh, out of Florida. You know, those are the the big names. Obviously, there's there's also David Edwards out of Wisconsin. Uh, a couple of tackles that may kick inside to guard. Uh, you know, Ryan Bates out of Penn State is, is probably someone who I could see moving inside. Um, you know, you got Tyler Romer out of San Diego State kicked off the team, and uh, he's decided to enter the draft. Uh, William Sweet, uh, a guy that nobody's really talking about, but was one of the better offensive linemen in the ACC. So, you know, some guys that, you know, that don't surprise you. Some other guys, you know, when you look at the names, they don't really jump off the board for you. But, you know, guys that I think could end up making an impact, um, you know, when this, when the draft rolls around. Only five guards. Um, you know, you have... Cody Ford, who I think is a a, a lock as a first round pick, 
Um, not the caliber of Quentin Nelson, but he's nasty. He's a road grader, a guy who I think should be a first round pick, um, has that versatility to play both inside a guard and outside a tackle played right tackle for, uh, Oklahoma, but I see him kicking inside the guard where he can, you know, he, he reminds you a little bit of, 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 uh, of, uh, Brandon Scherf. You know, out of out of Iowa, you know, going to, to Washington there a few years ago. You know, Michael Jordan has the versatility to play both center and guard, 6'7", 310 pounds. I think he's a guy who's going to be right there, day two range. Um, you know, Connor McGovern out of Penn State is another guy. Um, you know, the, the consistency with the two of them, I think they're definitely locks to be probably second rounders. Then you look at Nate Herbig out of Stanford. I thought he was one, you know, when he was on, he was on, showed very good athleticism, being able to get out and pull, can be very physical at the point, struggle with the speed and that can lack of consistency. I could see him fall into the third round. I would have liked to seen him come back for one more season just because I would have liked to see him get more consistent tape out there. Um, you know, really, if you want to look for the consistent tape, you have to go to his sophomore season. So you have to ask, is 2018 an anomaly for him? There were some injuries. Maybe that plays into it. You know, there's a lot more that uh, you know, teams have to be second guessing there. Center, the one guy, Eric uh, McCoy, out of Texas A&M. Uh, the, the one um, thing for him is, is it's all about the athleticism. You know, I think when you put on the bowl game, you're watching him be a lead blocker for Travion Williams, getting outside on the perimeter making kick-out blocks on, on defensive ends, linebackers, even coming up uh, to the second level and, and taking out safeties um, to, to clear the way for Williams. Um, the athleticism is definitely there. I think he gets you know jacked back sometimes you know, at the point of attack, needs to work on some of that core strength. But uh, to me, he's the number three center. You know, I, I think you put him uh, behind Garrett Bradbury of NC State, the Remington Award winner, and then Elgin Jenkins out of Mississippi State. I think uh, McCoy settles in nicely ahead of Ross Piercebacher of Alabama, a guy who has some versatility, reminds me of Barrett Jones, high IQ guy, but limited athletically. So we've talked about all the offensive positions except for the quarterback. You know, and at quarterback, obviously you have Daniel Jones, uh, Dwayne Haskins, Kyler Murray, all first rounders. Dwayne Haskins, to me, a guy, if I'm the Giants, if I'm the Jaguars, I'm looking at him and uh, I'm pegging him as as my, my future starter. Um, you know, Daniel Jones is another guy. He's a disciple of uh, of David Cutcliffe. I would have liked to have seen him come back for one more year um, just to shore up, you know, some of the some of the decision-making, but uh, the talent is absolutely there. He sees the field, plays in an NFL pro-style offense, understands the um, you know the, the, the different concepts that you're going to see at the next level. Was making a lot of the you know the the adjustments you know up front, all the different alignments. Um, you know, very intelligent quarterback, and then obviously Kyler Murray, the most athletic of the bunch, the Heisman Trophy winner, electrifying athlete. Um, Still, still could go back and play baseball with with the Oakland A's, number nine overall pick, but uh, has a chance at least right now um, to be a first round pick to come in, and if it doesn't work out, he's going to pocket fifteen twenty million at the end of the day uh, with an NFL contract before he moves on and plays baseball. Look at Tim Tebow, ten million in three years playing the in the NFL. Uh, you know, was able to take the Denver Broncos to a, a playoff win, ultimately now in the Mets organization playing baseball. So it is possible for Kyler Murray uh, to end up playing both sports when it's all said and done. Two questionable cases here. You know, Jarrett Stidham, I thought, um, you know, questionable with with the touch. Some of his decision-making looked robotic at times, but uh, definitely has has a strong arm, uh, can make throws, you know, to the uh, – 
to the wide side of the field, you know, throwing the football outside the numbers. I think he does that very well. Um, you know, and then Tyree Jackson, you know, the six, seven, 245 pound Buffalo bull quarterback. Um, you know, I starting to get some of the athleticism back after the ACL tear. But to me, I wanted to see him come back for one more season, you know, under 60% completion percentage um, and, and some questionable decision-making, you know, the, the ball placement at times. Um, but, you know, and, uh, you know, no disrespect to, to Drew Locke or, or Daniel Jones, Tyree Jackson has the best arm of anybody in this draft class. And when you're watching a guy like Patrick Mahomes who can throw the ball all over the yard uh, with ease, Tyree Jackson is that guy. Is he... Patrick Mahomes, no. You know, and, and that's really the, the difference there is is Tyree Jackson is more of a of a raw, you know, work in pro you know, work in progress type of a quarterback, a guy who I could see, you know, a few years down the line. That's why I really wanted to see him come back for one more year. Whether it was at Buffalo, you know, I know he's losing a lot of the the skill position guys, still had KJ Osborne at receiver, the two running backs uh, who were just freshmen, you know, Jarrett uh, Patterson and uh Kevin Marks. You know, he could have entered the transfer portal, but he's decided to enter the draft. You know, when you look at the the, the draft class, like I said, you've got uh, 82 offensive players that have declared for the draft. Uh, obviously, you know, when you're looking at the the total number of draft picks, not all of these guys are going to get drafted. But what I want to do is, is take a look at some of these uh, these positions and uh, you know who's going to be uh, surefire locks. Who are the guys that we're going to be seeing coming off the board in the second round? You know, in the mid rounds, and then who are some of the guys that are kind of left scratching your head? Defensively, like I said, 53 defensive players uh, declared. Um, you know the, the most popular positions here: uh, cornerback. There were 15 corners that were declaring for the draft. Obviously, when you look at the the cornerback draft class, um, what makes perfect sense to me when you look at it. Obviously, there's there's Greedy Williams, um, you know Byron uh, Murphy. Uh, Trayvon Mullen, Julian Love, guys that are going to be up at the top of that that draft class that are going to be taken in round one or round two um, makes perfect sense to me. You know, there's some other guys who I think are still learning the position. They're new to the position, like uh, you know, like like Justin Lane, um, you know, a, a converted receiver. Um, I would have liked to seen him come back for one more year. Uh, Kendall Sheffield, I didn't think he had the most consistent tape there at, at Ohio State. Damon Arnett is coming back. I would have liked to have seen uh, you know Kendall Sheffield do the same as the same with, with Savion Smith you know, there for Alabama. A guy to me, I've got a third, fourth round grade on him. If uh, he were to come back and have a, a big year for Bama, he could have been in that first, second round category. Um, so some of those guys, questionable decisions. You know, Hamp Cheevers, Clifton Duck, um, you know, a couple of guys that are, are playing uh, you know, Hamp Cheevers is a guy who's a, uh, you know, t- he's very aggressive, takes chances. Um, you know, and, and Clifton Duck, you know, the ball skills are evident there with him. You know, but still, kind of a curious, you know, decision to enter the draft. Would have liked to have seen him, you know, take part in in a Senior Bowl, going up against some of the better receivers. Um, you know, and you know they're going to miss out on on doing that uh, next season. Uh, inside linebacker, there are 10 inside linebackers. I was talking about the Rams, the fact that they need at least one inside backer. The trend with the Rams, you know, when they when they need somebody, they're going to go ahead and, and take multiple draft picks to do that. That's kind of what you've seen them do over the last couple of years. You know, you're looking at uh, Mac Wilson, uh, Devin Bush, potentially in round one. Um, you know, if you're looking beyond that, you know, David Long out of out of uh, West Virginia is going to be sitting there. Joe Giles Harris. Uh, how about Trey Lamar out of Clemson? You know, six four, two hundred fifty pounds. A guy who has excellent range. Um, you know, he's another guy. You know, there, there's some questionable, you know, 
picks here, you know, Josiah Tauefa out of UTSA, you know, a small school kid coming out, uh, Jeff Allison from Fresno State, a guy who's really a thumper, a guy who fills holes downhill, but, uh, you know, is he going to be a liability in coverage? Uh, Vasan Joseph, I think he really made a name for himself this year with some of his splash plays, but you really saw, um, you know, the inconsistency there from him and being able to diagnose plays. You know, I thought that uh, he'd run himself out of plays um, and, and then obviously struggling to get off blocks. So some questionable uh, decisions there at the inside linebacker position, but 10 uh, have decided to enter the draft. When you're looking at that inside backer position, you know, you've got TJ Edwards, uh, Dakota Allen, um, as a couple of guys there towards the top of the draft class, you know, Khalil Hodge, Ben Burke, Kervin, Tevon, uh, Tevin Coney, uh, as you move down the list. So, you know, it, it makes some sense there. There wasn't a ton of depth at the position. Um, defensive tackle, we had nine defensive tackles enter, enter the draft. Now, if your name is not Quinn uh, and Williams, Dexter Lawrence, Ed Oliver, Jeffrey Simmons, Draymond Jones, um, you know, I, I have to question uh, the decision to enter the draft. Obviously, Ed Alexander at LSU playing, um, you know, at, at a big program there, SEC country. Uh, but I would have liked to have seen him come back for one more year. Uh, Kevin Givens, you know, I, I think he's a guy who has uh, you know an explosive first step. But to me, I think that was a surprise leaving Penn State. Tristan Hill at, at a Central Florida, another guy who I think. Would have benefited from coming back for another year. His draft stock, he's probably going to be a late-round pick um, or a priority-free agent. Uh, and then uh, Johanna Gaffan out of uh, Wyoming. You know, he got suspended for the remainder of the year. Um, so, you know, he's got his degree now. So I, I can see why he's entering the draft. Um, you know, but he's going to have some questions that he's going to have to have answered. Defensive end. You know, you've got Cleveland Furl, as I mentioned, and and obviously Nick Bosa. You know, those are the two big names, along with Rashawn Gary. Uh, Nick Bosa, likely the number one overall pick of the Arizona Cardinals. Um, you know, Cleveland Furl, I think, has a chance to be a top ten pick. You know, Rashawn Gary, to me, you know, you're talking more about potential than you are really the production um, with him. And, and if you listen to my podcast, you'll know that. You know, to me. You know, the, the production, you know, has to matter at some point. He was outplayed by Chase Winovich, the guy playing opposite him. When you've got those two guys on the edge, you can only double team one guy. You know, Rashawn Gary did see some of those double teams, but even when he was playing man up, you know, you didn't you saw the motor that was running hot and cold, in my opinion. Um, and so that's really one of the things that uh, is going to be interesting throughout this draft process. I still think he's going to get drafted in the top 15, but I don't think he's a top 10 pick, at least not right now. Um you know, only five outside linebackers entering the draft. Um, you know, obviously Jakai Polite, Brian Burns, they make a total. You know, make a lot of sense. Uh, Sutton Smith already uh, fulfilled his degree requirements, and uh, you know, back-to-back Mac uh, Defensive Player of the Year. So I, I, I can't knock him. Tyrell Dodson. Um, you know, is a player. You know, really a a good athlete. You know, an athletic linebacker, a guy who can. Um, you know, is a run and chase type of a guy. Um, you know, he'll probably be a mid round pick. And then, uh, Daryl Johnson out of uh, North Carolina, ANT, I would have loved to have seen him come back for one more year. Um, you know, really putting everything together as a sack, uh, sack artist, getting after the quarterback, double digit sacks there for the Aggies. But, you know, he's someone to me, you know, I, I think, you know, he's a little undersized. He's going to have to play outside and really, at least for right now, I think he's going to be more of a situational guy, which means that's going to hurt his draft stock. He's going to slide down because of that. 
And then obviously the safety position, uh, you know, six safeties and, and a lot of names that, you know, don't really shock you. Deontay Thompson out of Alabama, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson from Florida, uh, and Taylor Rapp of Washington. You know, three of my top uh, five safeties. Um, you know, Mike Bell of Fresno State, you know, is a big player. You know, he's 6'3", 200 pounds, you know, uh, a guy who has good range and, and can hit some people. But, you know, I, I think there was still some work to do there. Amani Hooker out of Iowa, you know, Big Ten uh, Defensive Player of the Year. But, uh, you know, to me, there wasn't a whole lot of hype around him. Um, so I, I need to do some more game film watching Amani Hooker, uh, to be perfectly honest. And then Malik Gant, you know, out of Marshall. Um, you know, I, I thought this was a guy who would have benefited from coming back for one more year. Looking at uh, the safety class, um, there are a lot of guys in the class that uh, he's going to be competing with. You know, there's Juan Thornhill of Virginia, um, you know, Jaquan Johnson of Miami, um, Mike Mike Edwards of Kentucky, Darnell Savage of Maryland, Andrew Wingard of of Wyoming. So there, you know, there's a lot of competition. So I, I question, you know, anyone who's going to be coming from a, a group of five school, uh, you know, if you're not guaranteed a first or second round grade, then I, I don't know why you're coming out. And I think Malik Gant, you know, while he was the leader of that defense and clear leader, absolutely. Um, you know, I think he would have benefited from one more year there with the thundering herd. So the, the hundred, 135 underclassmen, uh, and I mentioned those other nine uh, that inquired about their draft status, you know, to be eligible for the draft and not coming back for their final season. Two running backs on the list, uh, DeAndre Furby uh, out of uh, Western Kentucky, had a shoulder and collarbone injury uh, on his first carry of the 2016 season. Shoulder injury in 2018 as well, decided to go ahead and enter the draft, um, you know, forego that, that final eligibility. Uh, LJ Scott. You know, played in four games, had an ankle injury, redshirted, so he could come back for the 2019 season. Decided to forego that, and he's going to throw his name into the into the hat there for the draft. Uh, one tight end, Keenan Brown, um, had a big year for Texas State. Um, pro Football Focus has him as a first-team All-American, graded the best, um, you know, in their eyes at the tight end position. Um, you know, he redshirted 2014 at Oklahoma State. Uh, missed the 2015 season due to injury, given an additional year by the NCAA. That's why he's coming out. Two defensive ends, Jordan Brailford, and if you watch the East-West Shrine game, to me, he was the best player on the field. Um, just was making plays all over the football field. Missed 2016 with, with a leg injury. Uh, 2017 was out four months um, with a shoulder injury in April. Um, you know, so he's someone, there are some medical issues that you know, you're know you going to have to get cleared, but I think Jordan Brailford is a guy, um, you know, you know, either late second, early third, possibly fall even to the fourth, depending on the medical grades. Uh, but a guy who I think is somebody the effort plays, the the explosion. He's very strong at the point of attack. Just six three two fifty, but a guy who I you know so he is a little on the lighter side. What position is he going to be playing? Is he a guy who's going to have to play outside linebacker in a three four? Can he play? Um, in a 43 defense with his hand in the in the dirt, that's going to be a huge question mark. But uh, a guy who I think you know with that effort and and the strength uh, is somebody to keep an eye on. Uh, Byron Coward, the former number one recruit, had a slow 2015. Uh, you know there at Auburn in 2016 was beaten out by Marlon Davidson. Um, you know left Auburn after three games to take classes out of JC before transferring to Maryland this season. Uh, really his first year. Um, to to make some plays 
And, uh, you know, Byron Coward has incredible size. You know, he's 6'4", 293 pounds, big kid. Um, and, and playing, you know, at Maryland the first full season, you know, had just three sacks, you know, five tackles for loss on the on the year. Really had to step up when, you know, Jesse Annabonum um, went down to injury. But, uh, you know, questionable case there. I know with all of the injury, you know, all the it was slow to develop. Um, I would have loved to see him come back for one more year. Um, I, I just I'd I wonder whether or not uh, you know his draft stock you know really where he's going to be. Uh, PJ Johnson out of Arizona, the big um, defensive tackle. This was a guy who was wreaking havoc in in the Pac-12. Went to Sacramento State in 2015 and 2016. Two red shirts in, in 2016 had a tumor taken out of his leg. 2017 goes to City College of San Francisco. Um, you know, really now five years since high school would need a waiver. Um, to play one more year and is elected to go ahead and throw his name into the hat there for uh, for the NFL draft. Um, but but PJ, you know, he's he's an interesting one. If you look at uh, you know his one year there at Arizona, very disruptive, getting into the backfield, very strong at the point of attack. He's six four, three hundred thirty five pounds, eight and a half tackles for loss, three sacks. You know, big physical guy. Played in just nine games, had some injury issues there towards the end. Um, but uh, PJ Johnson was definitely a guy who was fun to watch. Um, you know, the medicals I think are really going to be the the biggest red flag for him right now. Outside linebacker, you've got Sean Adesanya, um, you know, torn labrum, ruptured Achilles. Uh, you know what that's what that's like at uh, Illinois. Then transferred to Central Michigan. Um, you know, seven tackles for loss, three sacks. Um, you know, in, in limited action there at uh, at Central Michigan. You know, played in twelve games. You know, wasn't a you know a consistent factor there. But I think with with all of the injuries that he's dealt, you know, been dealt, I think he's looking to enter the draft here. As is the cornerback uh, Blasson uh, Austin, a guy who was on everybody's radar as a cornerback. Um, ACL injury in consecutive years, though, on the same knee. Uh, you know, in twenty seventeen, missed off before games. Twenty eighteen, the opener versus Texas State gets injured during an interception, you know, the multiple ACL tears, definitely a concern for any NFL franchise, you know, if you're looking to uh, to bring this guy in. But I think at this point, you know, he's he's running the risk of, of injuring himself yet again. So, uh, you know, I, it makes perfect sense to me, you know, why uh, why Austin's throwing his name into the hat, you know, into the ring. And then the kicker, there is a kicker who's who's throwing his name into the NFL draft as well, and that's uh, uh, Daniel LaCamera out of uh, Texas A&M. Ankle and foot injuries. You know, he was the 2017 Lou Groza semifinalist, but it was the foot and ankle injuries in 2018 that really slowed his his development. Seth uh, Small took over the starting job there. Um, you know, and to be honest with you, he wasn't even the best kicker there on on the. On, on the campus in College Station, that had to go to Braden Mann, um, who's a, a heck of a punter. You know, setting records there at a And M. A guy to me, um, absolutely has a shot to get uh, to get drafted. You know, in in day two, a team that really is looking for a punter that can make a difference at the next level. That's going to be your guy. You know, it, I, I don't like to see the, the special teams, um, you know, specialist. Um, taken that high in the draft, but he has a chance that there's a team that's looking for a punter, looking to, to flip the field position. This is going to be your guy, you know, 50 plus, um, you know, yards per punt. 
Um, we'll be talking about him in 2020. Daniel Cameron, you know, throwing his name into the into the ring. I, I just don't see enough there for him to to get drafted. So I think he's going to have to make a roster, you know, with uh, some competition there in training camp. So those were the nine guys, like I said, you know, coming back. Uh, rather than come back for one more year, decided to throw their name into the NFL draft. So what we're going to do now, we kind of take things, you know, team by team, you know, and take a look at some of these these draft picks and, and really understand more about who some of these players are, you know, what uh, what type of production you're seeing out of them and what type of players they can be at the next level, really what their draft stock is and what, what that does to the, um, you know, to the, to the school that they're leaving. You know, Alabama, you know, seven guys leaving the draft, you know, Obviously, none bigger than than Quinn and Williams, uh, the defensive tackle, six four, two hundred eighty nine pounds. In in his second year, uh, there on the field, nineteen and a half tackles for loss, eight sacks. You know, really doing a lot behind the line of scrimmage against affecting both the run and the pass. Seventy one total tackles as well. Very active from the defensive tackle position. To me. He's probably the best overall player in this draft. A guy who was affecting every single play. Um, you know, it didn't matter if he was, you know, had a, a guy lined up directly over him, if he was getting, you know, double teamed, triple teamed. This was a guy who was so explosive off the ball and then being able to convert that speed to power, uh, driving his man back into the backfield. You know, so whether it was beating him with that quick first step or, or overpowering guys at the point of attack, it reminds you of, of what Aaron Donald is able to do to affect the outcome of, of games uh, at the middle of the field. Quinn and Williams, to me, you know, it makes perfect sense um, for him to come out. He'll be, if he's not taking number one overall, he'll be the number two overall pick, or at least he should be. Um, the other draft picks here, you know, you have, um, you know, Josh Jacobs, the the running back, you know, 5'10", 216 pounds. Everyone's talking about da- uh, Damian Harris, um, but I think Josh Jacobs may actually be the better pro prospect. You know, not as many miles on those legs, just 251 carries, um, showed a, a good you know, a knack for being able to catch the football out of the backfield, 48 career receptions, including 20 in 2018. Um, you know, to me, Damian Harris is more of a one cut and go type of a guy, uh, you know, sees the hole, hits it and really you know puts his foot in the ground and, and hits that hole. Josh Jacobs can do that. But I think what sets him apart is the ability to to make people miss in the open field. You see some of that wiggle. You see the lateral cut ability, his ability to, you know, and if you're watching the, uh, the Orange Bowl in the national title game. This is a guy who can put his foot in the ground and make people miss in the open field. And a guy that's, you know, 216 pounds, um, you know, that's somebody that you want to have on, on your roster. I think he's just getting better and better. Uh, 5.9 yards per carry uh, to meet. This guy is, is, uh, is going to be more than likely either a late one or early two um, in, in this draft. Um, as is Irv Smith. Uh, Irv Smith Jr., uh, you know, his dad, uh, you know, taken in at, at Notre Dame, had a, a successful career. Um, but I think Irv Smith Jr., you know, 6'4", 241 pounds, he, he's the vertical threat. You know, I mean, 16.1 yards per reception in 2018, seven touchdowns, um, you know, 44 receptions for for 710 yards. You saw the route running ability, um, his ability to to get in and out of his breaks, 
clear separation there, excellent route running ability. You know, when he's running on those uh, interior routes, being able to flatten, flatten out coming across the middle after widening out some of the, the linebackers, you know, then, then flattening out coming across the middle, you know, really excellent from the tight end, uh, tight end position. I think he can work a little bit on his blocking, but uh, you know, I really want to see what he's going to run at the combine. Is he or uh, Noah Fant going to be the fastest tight end? You know, he was running away from safeties there in the SEC, you know, Irv Smith, late one early two, uh, Jonah Williams, guy who comes to Alabama, uh, heralded offensive tackle uh, out of Northern California, uh, 44 consecutive starts. Starts on the right side, moves over to the left side. 6'5", 301 pounds. Doesn't have ideal length, but look, you know, this day and age with with the way that the NFL is going, you don't have to be. And and to me, I think Jonah Williams um, may not be your prototypical offensive tackle but I think he's he's very intelligent uh you, you see the his ability to move very well laterally um you know that uses his hands very well and uh, understands his limitations he knows that he's not doesn't have excellent length but uh does a great job with his hands uh, resetting them when he needs to uh, being able to anchor uh, you know, Jonah Williams can get it done both in the passing and running game. Um, to me, he's a he's a top 15 pick, and if there's a team that's sitting there in the top 10 that needs a tackle, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Jonah Williams is taken in the top 10. Deontay Thompson, the safety out of Alabama, 6'2", 196 pounds. Uh, you know, this was a guy who was making plays early on in the season. Um, you know, with somebody, I think with Mika Fitzpatrick leaving Alabama, you needed someone to step up in the secondary. Deontay Thompson was that guy. And I think teams weren't expecting him to be someone who could patrol the back end of that defense, being able to get over the top. I think that's one of the things that you saw. Excellent range, playing sideline to sideline. can get from the middle of the field over to the sideline, undercutting routes, making plays. Um, but as the season went on, you know, I, I think teams started to expose some of his um, some of his limitations. You know, he's he's only you know one year as a starter back there, and uh, you know I think teams were fooling him a little bit. He was trying to eyes in the backfield way too often, taking some false steps. You know, forward ball getting thrown over the top of him. Um, so he's somebody I, I think could be a first rounder. Um, you know, in this the safety class. But uh, someone who I think is going to need to work on his game a little bit, um, you know. So really, you're drafting for potential more than anything else. What he did uh, at the beginning of the season, you want to see more of that. Um, Savion Smith, we talked about him um, briefly. You know, excellent size. You know, six three, hundred ninety one pounds. Um, you know, three interceptions, um, five pass breakups. You know, you saw some of the ball skills, but. Uh, to me, you know, I, I thought that the cover, you know, his his cover skills, you know, being able to uh, turn and run with with with, uh, with receivers, I think that needs some work. Um, you know, he was a little high at times in, in his back pedal. And when you're six three, you know, playing out there on on the outside, yes, you have a, a excellent length. Um, he showed the ability to make plays on the football. Um, but you know, you worry about how, how effective is he going to be driving on the football? How stiff are those hips going to be Combine for him is going to be critical and, and the individual workouts, how stiff are those hips? Is he going to be a corner at the next level? Is he going to be a safety? Um, to me, Savion Smith, third, fourth round range is really where I see him going off the board. Um, so Alabama oh, and, and Mac Williams, or, I'm sorry, Mac Wilson. 
inside linebacker, 6'2", 236 pounds. This is a guy who, you know, he he's very fast at the linebacker position, had four interceptions a season ago, um, had another two this year, five pass breakups. Um, someone who, you know, I don't think he's necessarily necessarily – explosive in any one area but a guy who can play the run he can drop back you know excellent in coverage um and i think that's really where the game is going at the um you know having linebackers who can drop into coverage and i think he understands that can make plays on the football uh to me mac wilson is a guy you know probably going to be the number three inside linebacker taken in the draft um but uh someone who i think is also going to be a special teams ace out there um so bama you know we talk about them reloading um you know, the, the running back position, obviously they've got Najee Harris there, um, you know, tight end. They're going to have to incorporate some new guys in here because both Irv Smith and uh, Hale Hentges is, uh, they're both leaving. Cornerback uh, position, you got uh, Patrick Sertan, um, but, uh, you know, he's got that learning curve there. Uh, the, you know, really the the leader of that secondary is going to end up being uh, Xavier McKinney. Um, I think he's someone who's going to have to set the tone um, offensive tackle, I think Jedrick Wills probably kicks over to the left side more than likely. Um, you know, so so Bama they they reload. You know, yes, they've lost seven guys, seven of their their biggest playmakers, um, but I think Alabama will be just you know they'll be just fine. Appalachian State, uh, Clifton Duck, the cornerback, 5'11", 177 pounds. Look, you know, the ball skills are evident. You know, 12 interceptions, 19 pass breakups. You know, 11 of those interceptions were in his first two seasons. Uh, didn't really see the ball thrown his way all that often uh, in, in 2018, and for good reason. You know, this is a guy who's proven to be able to make plays. Um, not the biggest guy, um, you know, a little slight, you know, hundred just 177 pounds. Um, I, I think some of the bigger physical receivers are going to push him around. Um, a guy who's probably going to, you know, kick inside, you know, be that, that third uh, cornerback. Um, I like, I like the ball skills. You know, he's someone to me who's probably going to end up being a mid round guy, you know, and that's what, really why I would have liked to seen him come back, uh, for one more year, but, uh, be a mid round, mid round selection with some returnability, um, returned a, a, a punt for touchdown, uh, in his junior season this past year. Um, you know, Appalachian state, I think they'll be okay. You know, we, at the cornerback position, um, but uh, you know Clifton Duck, to me, you know a name that people really aren't talking about. And I think as you start watching more of the game film, you'll see that that playmaking ability there on the outside. Kind of reminds me of Perry Nickerson a little bit um, coming out of Tulane. Um, you know Nickerson was was a little bit taller, had more length, but uh, also very slight. But the ball skills were evident. Um, you know probably going to be a fifth, sixth round pick would be my guess. Nikhil Harry, the lone Arizona State underclassman that's declared. And, uh, you know, Arizona State, you know, was able to see what their receiving core would look like without Nikhil Harry, who didn't play uh, in the Las Vegas Bowl. But uh, Harry, make no mistake, 6'4", 216 pounds. Um, I have him at least penciled in right now as the top receiving uh, receiving prospect in this draft. Going to be huge to see what he can do at the combine. Is he going to you know what's he going to run? You know I think that's really one of the big things when you look at the receiver position. You know some of the the guys that have been taken high, with the exception of of Mike Evans, you know running in that that four you know breaking that four four five barrier. You know and that's really going to be key for him. I think if he wants to solidify himself as a top ten. You know, top ten potential uh, receiver. He's going to have to break that that four five 
uh, barrier. And, and I just don't know if he's going to be able to do that. You didn't see the separation all the time from him, but very physical after the catch, a guy who can go up and high point the football, um, you know, the acrobatic matrix style uh, catch a la, you know, Odell Beckham Jr. against USC, getting almost completely horizontal, reaching over his head to, uh, you know, to make a play on the football. Uh, Going to be a red zone weapon as well. Uh, Nikhil Harry, uh, you know, nearly 3,000 yards, um, you know, back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons, uh, 22 touchdowns in his career. Um you know, so yeah, you know, he's someone to me, I think is going to be a first rounder when it's all said and done. Is he going to be a number one, a number two, you know, could he be a Des Bryant type? You know, that's, that could be his, his ceiling there. Um, you know, to me, Nikhil Harry was a no brainer for him coming out. Arkansas, uh, cornerback Ryan Pulley. This was the guy for me, what really stood out was his 2017's tape as a sophomore, uh, set, uh, 12 pass breakups, you know, really someone who showed, uh, some good, good instincts and ball skills out on the perimeter. Another guy, you know, like duck 5'11, 177 pounds, a little on the slider side, um, you know, and, and played in just 11 games. You know, I think he was, um, having some issues from, from an injury standpoint and where Arkansas is. You know, I, I think him looking at the draft, he's going to be a a late round guy. When you look at this cornerback position, there are a lot of guys to me right now are further along in their development than him. So I would have liked to have seen him come back with the Razorbacks. Um, that said, you know he he has a chance to be a late round pick, but I think these these workouts are really going to be huge for him. Um, now we get to Auburn. And uh, Auburn, obviously, you know, who's going to play quarterback now that Jared Stidham has entered the draft? Um, you know, Darius Slayton, um, the big play wide receiver on the outside has declared, but they do have a lot of weapons there at the receiver position. And they also have some cornerbacks as well. So I think they'll be okay in terms of reloading. Um, you know, I mentioned cornerback, you know, Jamel Dean, 6'2", 215 pounds. Um, you know, a, a guy, 17 pass breakups in his career, two interceptions. Um, you know, a guy who you know, messed up his hand, was playing with, uh, you know, with a brace on his hand for a while. Um, but a guy, you know, again, he's 6'2", he's 215 pounds, he's very physical. Uh, you know, I think teams are really going to want to be able to pay attention to those hips, you know, and, and how stiff he is. You know, is he going to be able to turn and run? You know, I thought that he did very well driving driving on the football, um, you know, but, uh, you know, very physical uh, tackler. Uh, tackles well in the open field. Is he going to be a corner? Is he going to be a safety? Um, that's really going to be a huge question mark. Um, that'll be answered over the next couple of months. Let's wait for the combine and see uh, see what that outcome is. I'm sure we'll be talking about that more. Uh, Darius Slayton, look, vertical threat. You know, to me, that's really where I saw him making the most of his plays was down the football field. Uh, kind of a limited route tree for me. Um, you know, and 79 receptions in his three years at, at Auburn, just over 1,600 yards, 11 touchdowns. When you're looking, or I'm in his career, five in 2018, three of those uh, coming in the Music City Bowl uh, in Auburn's 63 to 14 route of Purdue. I mean, this was a guy just absolutely torching uh, the Purdue defense. I mean, this was a guy who was just beating. Uh, beating him like a drum, you know, he, he beat one guy by about five steps uh, and stood him over through him, um, ran a post, ran by the defensive back, basically cut right in front of him there on a 74-yard touchdown. Um, you know, can definitely take the top off a of defense. You know, there's a screen play, gets a block from his uh, his left guard, gets into the open field, kind of uses this high step 
to change speeds a little bit, but it's really that vertical speed. I want to see what this guy times. Um, you know, he's 6'2", 190 pounds against Purdue. You saw that acceleration, and um, you know that was really what was what, what was eye popping was on that. Um, on that screen, just how he was able to separate from the defense down the sideline, that was what was really impressive. And, uh, you know, a team that's looking for a vertical threat, uh, mid-round range, I think Darius Slayton's going to be that guy. Um, but again, you know, most of the time it was those posts. It was the, um, you know, the slants that he was taking for big plays, the nine routes. That's really what you were seeing more than anything else from uh, from Darius Slayton. Jarrett Stidden. So 6'3", 214 pound quarterback, obviously, you know, well-documented, transferred from Baylor to Auburn after his freshman year, two seasons at Auburn, um, you know, finished this past year, just a 60.7% completion percentage, uh, just under 2,800 yards, 18 touchdowns, just five interceptions. But again, um, you know, to me, what you wanted to see more of was uh, consistent decision-making um, and, you know, yes, he can push the ball outside the numbers, but really between the numbers, I did not see uh, the accuracy that you wanted to see from him. I, I think if, if the throw required a fastball, he's getting the ball in there, but uh, the touch was really what was lacking. He'd overthrow guys um, you know, on the move. He'd sail it over the receiver's head. who was wide open coming across the field. Um, very robotic at times as well. Um, I, I thought that... Uh, you know, against Purdue in, in the bowl game, that was a nice um, way to kind of punctuate his his uh, his career at Auburn. And uh, you know, look, Stidham and 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 Darius Slayton both having big years, and I guess they were looking at going out on top. Slayton three uh, three receptions, 180 yards, three touchdowns with a long of 74. Uh, Jared Stidham 15 to 21, very efficient, 373 yards, five touchdowns on the day so you know if you're going to go out go out on top and uh you know hoping that uh, teams will use more of that game film than anything else boise state running back alexander madison you know he's following in the footsteps of of quite a few running backs there out of boise state um you know jeremy mcnichols to jay ajayi um you know a, a lot of boise state backs that have been successful at the next level um madison 511 216 pounds um can can pound the ball between the tackles has some speed to the outside as well a little bit of a wiggle to him um 60 receptions uh there at, at boise state um back-to-back thousand yard seasons ran for 1415 yards uh you know and, and 17 touchdowns um you know to me a big you know he's he's another physical back who has some speed um you know it's it's one of those things to where you know we've got so many running backs in this draft class 21 to be exact um i I think he'll get drafted i think he'll probably be a mid-round guy people haven't really been talking about him i think what he does at the at the combine um you know with the ability to you know demonstrate that he can catch the football what can he do as a blocker and uh you know what can he run in in the 40 i think that's really gonna determine his draft stock at Boston College, uh, the cornerback position, Hamp Cheevers, uh, 5'10", 180 pounds. Um, you know, another guy who's who's not the biggest corner, but for him, I think what really jumps out is the ball skills. You know, nine inter- uh, interceptions in his career um, with the, the Eagles, you know, seven in 2018 to lead the FBS. And the thing for me is, is this guy is very aggressive. 
um, he's going to take chances. You know, and I think he's susceptible for those double moves. Um, you know, he's going to sit on routes. He's going to want to to drive on the football and uh, try to make plays. He's going to have to temper that a little bit at the next level. I think teams are going to take advantage of of that aggressive style of play. And uh, you know, that's that's really been his calling card, though. So he's one of those uh, you know big splash play guys, uh, makes some big plays, and uh, can have big plays made against him. Um, you know, Ham Cheevers. You know, he could be, you know, anywhere in that third to fifth round range. I don't think he's a guy, um, you know, out of the realm of possibility to be a day two performer, but I think he's more than likely going to be early day three. Tyree Jackson, you know, we've talked about him just a little bit earlier. Um, Big kid, um, you know, played in just eight games in 2017 with that ACL injury. Um, and then this year I thought, you know, you saw some inconsistency, um, you know, the interception rate, you know, he went up to 12 this year with with 28 touchdowns, um, you know, over 3,100 yards, uh, but just 55.3% completion percentage, um, you know, didn't see him carry the football quite as much uh, as he did as a freshman, um, you know, nearly 400 yards as a freshman, um, you know, which, you know, 2017, 2018 combined didn't even reach that total. Um, I think he's still getting back into form, um, you know, and you look at a guy like, like Clayton Thorson, who coming back off of his knee injury, didn't look the same. Tyree Jackson didn't look the same. Uh, so, you know, yes, he's got all the physical traits. He's, he's raw, but to me, he's going to be a, a, a mid, you know, th- Third, third day guy. You know, I, I think fifth round, sixth round, probably somewhere in that range would make the most sense. Uh, I think he may, uh, a team may overdraft on him. They may take him in the third or fourth round range just based on his athleticism if they think they, you know, he's got the skills to work with. Uh, Central Central Florida, there were a couple of guys that, you know, curious, uh, you know, head scratchers here. You know, Tristan Hill, uh, the 6'2", 315-pound defensive tackle, um, you know, a, a guy to me, I, I thought, you know, made some splash plays, um, wasn't a full-time starter there for the Golden Knights, 10 and a half tackles for loss, three sacks. Uh, to me, I really wanted to see him come back one more season and really be able to uh, set the tone, get that starting spot and really affect plays uh, game in and game out. You saw a few splash plays here and there, um, but he also disappeared for quite a bit of time and wasn't always out on the field either. Um, So Tristan Hill, um, late round pick, you know, more than likely if anything else, Um, you know, Dredrick Snelson, the receiver um, for Central Florida, a, a slot guy, six foot, 206 pounds, um, you know, just 106 receptions in his career, um, you know, 1,500 yards, 15 total touchdowns. Um, to me, you know, he, he was, when you look at this draft class, there's so many guys that, that uh, can make plays down the football field, guys that can line up in the slot. Um, to me, I look at uh, Dredrick Nelson, he's just a guy. He's just a guy to me. I, I really question him coming out into this draft. Um, Would have liked to have seen him, you know, obviously come back for one more year, um, you know, whether... You know, obviously the question mark of who was throwing the football to him may have made a you know may have factored into his decision making process with coming out. But with that said, I still think um, another year um, would have benefited him greatly. Then we have the the Central Michigan 
cornerbacks. You know, they're both 6'1", about 180 pounds, good length. Uh, but we're talking about Sean Bunting and Xavier Crawford. You know, we, we talk about Bunting first. Um, you know, definitely, you know, both, really both of these guys. You know, you see some of the ball skills. Um, you know, Sean Bunting, nine interceptions, um, you know, and, and 15 pass breakups. Knows what to do when, when he arrives at the football. Um, you know, able to, you know, he had five interceptions in, in 2017. Um, you know, I'll be honest, I need to do more more game film on Central Michigan to really understand what, what we're getting here from these two. Uh, Xavier Crawford, a transfer from, from Oregon State um, in, in the 2018 um, you know, for him, uh, just one, or I'm sorry, just two interceptions in his career, one as a freshman at, at Oregon State, one at Central Michigan, um, but 24 total pass breakups. So another guy who has the ball skills, um, but I always bring up the guys, you know, that aren't able to, to, to pick off passes, you know, and, you know, Mackenzie Alexander, you didn't see him making uh, those interceptions at, at Clemson, a guy who went his entire college career without it intercepting one single pass at the cornerback position. You want to have those guys that can affect plays out there on the outside. You know, I, I think the one thing that Xavier Crawford does have going for him is his ability, you know, is that length and ability to make a play on the football. Uh, I got to do some more game film on uh, you know Central Michigan to really understand what we're getting there. Um, so we'll talk about them a little bit more later on. But now Central Michigan, you gotta you gotta fill both of your cornerback spots now. Uh, so that's definitely an issue there. Uh, Clemson. When we talk about Clemson, we've got you know four guys that are entering, entering the draft. No real surprise there. Maybe the only surprise might be uh, Trey Lamar, uh, but Clint, uh, Cleveland Furl. Look, the length, you know, he's got length for days, you know, 6'5", 265 pounds, 27 sacks and 50 and a half tackles for loss for the Clemson Tigers. This guy seems like he's been there forever. And, uh, you know, redshirt freshman year, uh, was a defensive player of the game in the national title game there in 2016. Um, Someone who can can really affect the passer. You know, and I think you've seen the sack totals. It went from six as a freshman, nine and a half as a sophomore, 11 and a half as a, as a junior. And, and he's somebody who, who has some flexibility. He's not, not the, the most explosive of our, our edge rushers in this draft by any means, but he's somebody to me that is a three down guy for sure. He's someone who can set the edge against the run. Um, somebody who can shoot into the backfield and, and chase down guys as well. I think he does a great job stacking and shedding blockers. Um, and uh, getting after the quarterback, he can bend a little bit, uses his hands very well. You know, if you want to watch a matchup, you know, tune in to uh, Alabama Clemson national title game. Watch him go up against uh, uh, Jonah Williams. I think um, you know that was really you know a, a special showcase. And uh, you know, to me, Cleveland Furl is a guy. He's not getting out of the top fifteen. Um, absolutely there. Uh, obviously, you know Tray, uh, Trayvon Mullen. The cornerback, 6'2", 190 pounds. Another guy, you know, big guy. Um, didn't see the ball thrown his way a whole lot. Um, you know, somebody who I think did struggle to get out of his breaks at times. Uh, ball being thrown in front of him quite a bit. Um, you know, I, I think if he's, um, you know, driving on a football downhill, does a really good job there. I think he may may ultimately transition to safety when it's all said and done. Uh, but I think the combine and the individual workouts are going to be huge for him. Four total interceptions, seven pass breakups, but again, I think because of his length and uh, you know that potential to make a play on the football, uh, AJ Terrell saw more footballs thrown his way than than Trayvon Mullen. Um, so Trayvon Mullen, to me, 
Uh, a lot of people talking about him as a first rounder. I honestly believe that he should be a second round pick. A team may fall in love with the length and, and take him in round one, though. I think, like I said, the workouts are really going to, to to dictate that there. Dexter Lawrence, Dexter Lawrence, the the big big defensive tackle um, there for Clemson, six five, three hundred and forty pounds, um, so quick off the ball. You know, this guy is just so quick for for being as massive as he is. Um, you know, as a, a freshman, really took took the stage by storm. You know, 62 tackles, eight and a half tackles for loss, six and a half sacks. Now, obviously, on a line where you have uh, Furl, Christian Wilkins, uh, Austin Bryant, and then all the depth that, uh, you know, Dabo Sweeney's brought there from Xavier Thomas to Niles Pinkney to Albert Huggins, um, he wasn't asked to, um, you know, to really affect the quarterback as much. And so he only had three and a half sacks in his final two years there at Clemson. But somebody who, make no mistake, you know, takes on multiple blockers, can split double teams at times, very powerful at the point of attack as well. Um, but he's going to have to answer for the positive drug tests that, you know, cause him to miss uh, the postseason. You know, and is that going to affect his draft stock much? He'll probably drop, you know, into the top 25, possibly somebody who could have, you know, you know, flirted with the top 10. Uh, but now I think he's going to be a late first round pick as a result. You know, there's just so much depth at that defensive tackle position that I think that's going to affect his draft stock. And then there's Trey Lamar, the inside linebacker, 6'4", 250 pounds um, there at Clemson. If there was anyone that was the biggest surprise, it may have been him. Um, but he does a little bit of everything. You know, he, he can, uh, he plays the run pretty well, um, fills holes, um, can can scrape over the top and get to the outside. Um, you know, I, I think you know he can rush the quarterback just a little bit. Um, if there is a, a co- cause for concern, it might be dropping back into coverage. I think he's going to really have to show that uh, you know he can he he is fluid with his movements, backing up. You know, and and uh, not be just a a uh, a two down performer. Um, but uh, Trey Lamar, I think the ceiling for him is 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 the second round. But he could easily end up being around the fourth round. Um, you know, someone I'm gonna go back and watch more game film. I don't think I was prepared for him to enter the draft. Need to take a little bit more look at, at him, really more from a coverage standpoint. We know what he can do against the run. We know what he can do fill in the holes. We know what he can do rushing the quarterback. What can he do in, in coverage? And I really need to study a little bit more of that on Trey Lamar. Um, you know, and, and it's one of those things for me that you know, if I'm questioning that, then, you know, that's something that, you know, I, that, that could be his Achilles heel, um, throughout this draft process. Colorado state, you know, they've got a BC Johnson, the you know senior receiver that's leaving. Uh, but Preston Williams has also decided to leave, leave school. Um, you know, he was at, at Tennessee played in just seven games there for the volunteers before transferring to Colorado state in his first Year of action, 96 receptions, uh, 1,345 yards, uh, and 14 touchdowns. You know, 6'4", 210 pounds. This is a big physical receiver. Um, you know, is he going to be able to get separation at the next level? That's going to be a huge question mark. But he, he's one of those big physical receivers who's tough after the catch. You know, you're going to be hearing that a lot uh, with this draft class. But, um, you know, a, a guy who just knew how to how to get open, you know, I think he's going to be a red zone um, weapon. I think he does a good job with the back shoulder throw as well. Uses that big body, that big frame to his advantage. Um, you know, someone who's used a lot on the slants, the posts, um, and uh, up the sidelines on a nine route. 
you know, the big question is going to be, how's he going to be, you know, in and out of his breaks? How fluid is he going to be? Um, you know, I, I thought that, you know, there was some inconsistency there. You could see a little bit of stiffness. Um, so that's really going to be a huge question mark um, for him going into the combine. Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones. So, you know, right around 60% completion percentage. Um 8,200 yards passing, 52 touchdowns, and and 29 interceptions. I think the interception rate is obviously a cause for concern, as is the the completion percentage. But, um, you know, and and you know how I feel about about accuracy, you know, from the quarterback position, and and if you can't complete 50 percent or 60 percent of your passes at uh, at the collegiate level, what makes you believe you're going to be able to suddenly do that at the NFL level? It just doesn't translate. But, uh, you know, I think there were definitely some games for him um, that really stood out. Obviously, if you watched uh, Duke play Temple in the Independence Bowl, uh, you know, Daniel Jones, 30 of, uh, of, of 41, 423 yards, five touchdowns. You know, but the thing with it is, is you're going to see the five touchdowns. You're also going to talk about the two interceptions that he threw. Um, you know, he was rolling out, threw late over the middle, some of those questionable decisions. Um, but he he's a, a was a three-year starter. Um, you know, really, you know, developed well under David Cutcliffe, you know, being able to recognize uh, all the different concepts, really more of an NFL pro style um, type of guy, uh, you know, 547 yards of total offense against North Carolina on, on November 10th. Um, to me, someone who, who has the touch, you know, that's necessary between the tackles, uh, or I'm sorry, between the, uh, between the numbers, and uh, you know the ability to drop the ball in the bucket, um, you know down the down the sideline as well has the arm strength to make all of the throws, especially to the wide side on outbreaking routes. Um, you know, and this is someone who also is, is a dynamic runner. You know, over 1,300 yards in his career for the Blue Devils, uh, with 17 touchdowns. You know, could potentially have four or five speed. He's the guy to me. You know, I, I think because of David Cutcliffe, um, he's he's much more heralded. Then uh, you know, look, you know, it's does he have the have the skills that are necessary to to be a, a starting quarterback? Yes, but you know, the uh, again that that interception rate is a concern. Um, you know, just you know went from fifty six point seven percent completion percentage there in twenty seventeen to sixty point five in twenty eighteen. Uh, to to me, I would have liked to have seen a, a a little bit more. Obviously, he was bothered by injury throughout the year. Very tough, you know. Battled through an ankle injury in the Independence Bowl, um, so you know that had to play into um, you know some of the the drop in play, you know, at, at times during the season. But you also saw the capability. You know, I think what you're getting is is a guy who's going to be inconsistent at times, but uh, the the physical attributes is what's you know teams are going to fall in love with. Joe Giles Harris, um, you know, was a back-to-back hundred tackle guy. Um, you know, battled injuries in 2018, just nine nine games played, still ended up with 81 tackles on the year. Um, you know, 32 and a half tackles for loss, eight and a half sacks, um, also eight pass breakups, dropping into coverage. Um, does a good job reading the quarterback's eyes. I think he's an instinctive guy with a high football IQ. Um, you know, has pretty good range um, overall. You know, six two, 230 pounds. Um, you know. Does a decent job playing through the, the 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 trash in front of him, you know, able to diagnose plays and and really fly to the football, um, you know, and that's really what uh, what you're going to want to see from him, 
to me, he's not not the most flashy guy in the world. Um, you know, probably a you know a third third fourth round pick, I'd say, when it's all said and done. Um, but a guy who I think is going to be um, you know a, a solid um, solid player at the next level. Max Crosby, Eastern Michigan. Now look, you know Eastern Michigan. He was by far their best player. Um, you know, 6'5", 247 pounds, you know, a guy who just makes plays in the backfield, 41 tackles for loss, 20 sacks, um, you know, including, uh, 18 and a half in his last two years, obviously 35 and a half tackles for loss. So a guy who has a very quick get off and a motor that never quits, you know, eight forced fumbles in the last two seasons as well. Um, just someone for me, nobody's really talking about him. He's very athletic. He's a guy who's probably going to end up being a day three pick, but you know the the athleticism, the motor that's going to get him on the field. I think he's ultimately going to be, um, you know, someone that is going to be a sleeper. You know, in, in my mind, it's just nobody's talking about him because you know people don't really know about him at Eastern Michigan. I really wanted to see him come back for his senior season. You know, play there at Eastern Michigan just one more year. Um, that's a program that's building, and uh, he's a big reason why. Uh, coming off the edge, I think Eastern Michigan's going to, you know, that's kind of being dealt a, a huge blow there. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what, uh, you know, where he is. You know, obviously the combine is going to be huge. What can he do there? Individual drills, um, being able to showcase some of his athleticism, being able to bend off the edge. I think he's a sleeper. Uh, you know, Joshua Hall, uh, Holloman there, Eastern Michigan, you know, started at Cincinnati, ran a 10, 5, 700 meters. He's a track guy. Uh, six foot, two hundred pounds. He threw his name into the draft. Um, not someone that you're expecting to see, to to see drafted, though. Um, you know, Florida. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five guys taken. Um, you know, there are two guys that I'm a little little hesitant about. You know, in terms of uh, their their declaration for the draft, but uh, you know, one guy that's you know, I'm definitely. Um, you know, was expecting to enter the draft, and that's Chauncey Gardner uh, Johnson. You know, five eleven, two hundred and four pounds, a guy who declared for the draft and still played the bowl game. Um, you know, ultra competitive guy. Um, you know, someone who plays well downhill. But I think you know the nine interceptions, twelve pass breakups. You know, that's evidence of the fact that he has some some pretty good ball skills, some good instincts uh, on the back end. So he's a guy. Yes, he can play in the box against the run, can can blitz off the edge a little bit. But I think he has um, some some good uh, ability on the back end. Is he someone who's going to be able to cover guys? Um, you know, I, I think you know that was where there was some inconsistency there in, in his game. But uh, somebody who I think definitely, like I said, has some instincts in coverage. Uh, to me, Chauncey Gardner Johnson is going to be a second round pick, and uh, I think he'll be starting early on in his career. Just another safety, you know, Marcus May and uh, you know uh, Keanu Neal, Matt Elam. You know, and I think Chauncey Gardner Johnson is going to be the next safety there for Florida. You know, he could sneak into the into late round one. You know, if he really has a a good couple of months here, because um, he's put together some pretty good game film overall. Jakai Polite, 6'2", 242 pounds, number ninety nine. You know, was you know he wasn't a guy who was starting. You know, it could because you already had uh, Jabari Zuniga and uh, CC Jefferson. But uh, Ja'Kai Polite was somebody who was so explosive coming off the edge. Uh, you know, 19 and a half tackles for loss, 11 sacks on the year. 
um, you know, four pass breakups, six forced fumbles, somebody who, you know, I, I think is so explosive with that first step, can bend off the edge, very flexible, bends very well. Uh, to me, you know, he, he's he doesn't have ideal length to be a defensive end, so that's why I've got him slated as an outside linebacker, rush linebacker there in the 3-4 scheme, um, you know, Played quite a bit standing up. Now that's prim- primarily what he did there at Florida, and really they were just allowing him to turn, you know, just turn him loose and and go. Um, uses uses his hands pretty well. You know, you saw a pretty decent uh, pass rush repertoire as well. Um, you know, being able to to fake outside, you know, use that up and under, um, take outside, bring the guy back inside, and uh, and get to the quarterback. A guy again, motor doesn't quit. Um, and, and to me, probably someone who probably. You know, 15, 18, probably right around there in the draft more than anything else. Um, but somebody just very explosive off the edge. And, uh, you know, he's been building up to, you know, 2018 and, and, and uh, you know, really a splash play there. Um, splash play maker, I should say. Uh, Jawan Taylor, the right tackle for Florida. You know, this is a, a prototypical right tackle, you know, 6'5", 338 pounds, uh, you know, started 38 of his 39 games there with the Gators, including um, every game in the last two seasons. Uh, excellent length, surprising um, quickness, uh, but when they wanted to run, you know, and they run, you know, on that right side behind him and, and Fred Johnson, um, they really opened up some huge holes for Michael Pirine and Jordan Scarlett. And, uh, you know, to me, um, you know, he showed some ability to to mirror a little bit as well. You know, some of the speed coming off the edge. I thought that you know he struggled a little bit there at times, but he has the length. He has the physicality. To me, I think he's going to be a right tackle at the next level and somebody who I think could be, when it's all said and done, be a top twenty-five pick. Uh, we talked about Vashawn Joseph, um, you know, a, a little bit. You know, if we just talk about his stats uh, this year, ninety-three tackles. Uh, nine going for loss, four sacks, you know, five pass breakups. You know, a guy who did a little bit of everything, but you know, I think it was more the athleticism. You know, those those sacks, he was able to to slip blocks and get into the backfield. You know, he would shoot holes, and it was very physical arriving at the at the ball carrier. But I think he was easily fooled. I think that's really going to be the big issue for him. And I think that's probably what's going to keep him from being taken in the first two days of the draft. I think he's ultimately going to be a day three guy, fourth or fifth round, um, you know, as it stands right now. And I have him right now as an inside linebacker, but honestly, he's probably going to end up being a, you know, a will at the next level. Um, you know, I think because of the lack of instincts overall, um, Jordan Scarlett, the running back, you know, I look, you know, just 300, 344 carries in his three seasons there at Florida. But uh, I don't even think he was the best running back in that backfield there for for the Gators. You know, he's 5'11", 210 pounds. Really, to me, the better pro prospect is, is Michael Pirine. You know, and I think Jordan Scarlett, looking at it from the standpoint of, you know, trying to get away from, um, you know, sharing the backfield with Pirine, um, you know, to me... You know, Scarlett probably would have been better off doing what Jordan Cronkite did and, uh, you know, enter the transfer portal and be a graduate transfer uh, moving somewhere else uh, than entering the draft. I think he may be a late-round pick. A team may take a late-round flyer on him, but I think he's going to struggle to find, uh, to make a roster when it's all said and done. Florida Atlantic, you know, Lane Kiffin saw three uh, skill position players enter the draft. Obviously, Devin Singletary is uh, the, the explosive back, you know, 
back to back to back, you know, thousand yard seasons, including uh, 1918 there in 2017 with 32 touchdowns, you know, follow that up with, with, uh, you know, nearly 13, you know, about 1,348 yards, 22 touchdowns on the year. You know, this is a guy averages six yards a carry, um, you know, powerfully built, built low to the ground, five, nine, 200 pounds. Uh, the, the lateral agility is something that jumps off the film to you. Um, you know, 51 receptions in his career, just six in 2018, um, took a little bit to get going in, in 2018. Um, especially after, you know, making so many plays there in, in 2017, but, uh, a running back that people aren't really talking about and somebody who I think is going to rise up draft boards, um, you know, he, he has that ability, you know, as he, you know, he may be quicker than fast. Um, but I'll be curious to see what he looks like at the combine and some of those individual drills. Uh, uh, Javon Durant, uh, the, the receiver six foot, 165 pounds, very slight receiver, uh, transferred from West Virginia to Florida Atlantic sat out last year. So this was his first season with the owls, um, 873 yards, five touchdowns. Um, you know, but to me, he's just so, Yes, he, he's a guy who can be a vertical threat, take the, the top off a of defense, but uh, just so slight, um, you know, he'd have to put on a lot of weight. Um, I, I think he'll he'll have a, a tough time getting drafted, uh, as is uh, Kareth White. Uh, you know, he shared the backfield with with Devin Singletary, 866 yards, what, you know, did average 6.5 uh, yards a carry, eight touchdowns there uh, in Lane Kiffin's offense. But, you know, 5'9", 200 pounds, just like Devin Singletary. Um, you know, you see a little bit of Devin Singletary in the way that he plays. But uh, to me, I think he's someone who's going to struggle to get drafted. Um, you know, I think he'll make an um you know, go get invited to a, an NFL camp. I just don't know that he's going to be a guy that's going to be able to uh, make an NFL roster when it's all said and done. Florida State, obviously, Brian Burns was going to be the guy. You know, six five. You know, he's bulked up to two hundred thirty five pounds. You know, he was two hundred eighteen a season ago. Um, the length is something that definitely jumps off the film. You know, right off the bat with this guy, uh, seven pass breakups uh, and seven forced fumbles. So he knows you know how to get to the football. But uh, this was actually his t- uh, you know his best year in terms of getting to the quarterback. Ten sacks in 2018, 23 in his career. Uh, but somebody who you know just lives in opposing backfields, and, and it's because of his ability to explode off the football. Uh, you know with you know, sometimes a sprinter stance uh, coming off the edge, um, you know, very flexible, you know, able to turn the corner in a hurry, get those hips flipped and uh, be able to flatten out to the quarterback. Uh, hand usage, you know, does a great job getting the hands off of him, uses his length to his advantage, gets those hands inside onto the tackle and uh, uses that to... Um, you know, to kind of keep him, keep that defender or that blocker off of him and being able to bend, get around that gets very low. A lot of times getting under the pad level of the tackle, getting to the quarterback to me, Brian Burns, top 15 pick. Absolutely. You know, if uh, green Bay is not looking for an inside backer, they want an outside, um, you know, guy who can affect the passer. Um, Brian Burns may be their option. Now I talked about Jeff Allison and, and Mike Bell from Fresno State just a little bit. Jeff Allison, six foot, two hundred forty-five pounds, back-to-back, hundred tackle, hundred twenty tackle seasons. Um, a guy who I think, you know, limited a little bit in, in space, in, in coverage. 
somebody who I think can play sideline to sideline a, a little bit. He was a lot faster than I thought he would be uh, covering the field sideline to sideline. To me, when I think of Jeff Allison, I always think of him being a thumper, going downhill, filling holes. But uh, the question is going to be, can he be a three-down backer? And I would have liked to have seen him answer those questions by coming back uh, to Fresno and Jeff Tedford for one more year. Now, Mike Bell, um, 6'3", 203 pounds, a big safety, you know, 12 pass breakups in his career, including eight this past season, three interceptions as well, can play a little bit over the top, likes to play in the box, is going to deliver a big hit. Um, you know, but he's not somebody that people have been talking about. So I think the individual uh, workouts are going to be huge for, for Mike Bell. 6'3", 203 pounds. How stiff is he going to be? You know, reminds me a little bit of, of, of Taylor Mays coming out of USC, who was so big, uh, you know, that he was so stiff in coverage. You know, and, and that was really a, a huge concern there. Can Mike Bell show some fluidity, um, you know, or is he going to be, you know, another one of those stiff cor- or stiff safeties? Um, you know, Detroit Evans, uh, out of friends, uh, 6'5", 240 pounds, the Baylor transfer. Um, you know, I've been trying to find, um, you know, so I found some good game film, you know, of him, you know, a deep threat, um, a guy who can catch the football down the football field. Um, don't really have anything in terms of stats on this guy. So I, I, I need to do my homework and really look some, look him up. Um, but, uh, did find, find some of the, the game footage on YouTube, um, looks like a downfield threat type of guy. You know, we'll be you know curious to see if he gets invited to the combine. You know, one of those small school guys. Um, you know, when I'm looking at small school tight ends, um, I, I think the top guy is going to be Donald Parham, um, who's who's six eight and two hundred fifty pounds, and was one of the top receivers in all of FCS. Um, so I, I I think you know Evans is going to have a hard time. You know, um, making a making a roster um, just because nobody knows who the guy is. You know, he's going to have a chance. You know, could he end up being a, a practice squad guy? Possibly, um, but uh, you know, he's going to have to showcase his his ability to stretch defenses up the seam. Um, and I did see that in, in a little bit of film that I've watched. You know, I'm, I'm going to have to to do some more homework there. Um, but the little bits that I've seen, you know, again, Baylor transfer going to Friends University. You know, there, there's also going to be a question for for why that move. Georgia losing four of its skill position players, top skill position. Obviously, they've they've got uh, DeAndre Swift there, Jake Fromm back at quarterback. Um, you know, but uh, Elijah Holyfield, the running back, um, you know, split in time with. Uh, DeAndre Swift and look, you know, you saw that before with with Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle, a little bit of the thunder and lightning. You know, Holyfield was the thunder to Swift's lightning. Uh, over a thousand yards on just 159 carries, so 6.4 yards per carry, seven touchdowns. Um, a guy who's physical, um, you know, has a good stiff arm getting to the outside. I think he and Swift both um, were able to do that. You know, a guy who's physical between the tackles. Um, you know, but I, I think he could be a guy. You know, I think because of his name and because he played at Georgia in the SEC, he's a guy that people can be talked about. But at the same time, with this draft class, um, you know, there are a lot of guys that run run the football like him, and he's going to have to separate himself a little bit because you know wasn't really asked to, to catch the ball out of the backfield yet you know, much. Just seven receptions in his career, so he's going to have to show that that he can catch the ball out of the football out of the backfield, that he can step up and and be a a blocker on on passing downs. Um, you know, those are some question marks that I think I still have for Elijah Holyfield. Uh, Mecole Hardman, 5'11", 183 pounds there out, out of Georgia. 
Um, you know, the do everything guy, you know, he was a punt returner, kick returner, you know, running the ball, um, you know, a receiver, dynamic speed. Um, you know, to me, you know, the thing with Michael Hardman was, you know, there just weren't enough balls to go around for all of these weapons. And he was one of those guys, especially when you have Terry Godwin and you have, uh, Riley Ridley there, Isaac, not a tight end. Um, you know, he didn't see the football a whole lot, you know, and he's somebody that, you know, when you're talking about Georgia, um, somebody who I think could be a better pro than he was a, a collegiate player because of his ability to, um, you know, to stretch defenses a little bit. And the thing is, is Georgia receivers, um, you know, they, they may not have the stats, but Terry Godwin is going to get drafted, um, you know, either a day two, day three guy, uh, probably a fourth rounder, um, and a guy who I think is going to play well, uh, at the next level, um, you know, even, you know, someone like Marlon Brown, somebody who, uh, you know, was making some plays there, um, for, for the, the Ravens and, uh, gosh, there's a name that, that is escaping me. Um, oh, Isaiah McKenzie, you know, Isaiah McKenzie, I, I kind of look at, at Mecole Hardman and he reminds me a little bit of, uh, Isaiah McKenzie, a guy who did a little bit of everything, uh, there at Georgia, didn't get to see the ball quite as often as you'd like to see, but a guy who's making plays at the next level, I think Michael Hardman can be the next in line there. Isaac Nada, 6'4", 240, tight end, um, you know, 30 receptions, 430 yards, um, you know, on the year, three touchdowns, uh, eight total in his career. You know, look, Isaac Nada, to me, is another one of those big physical guys, you know, can can stretch defenses down the seam, um, you know, a decent blocker as well. Um, he's just in a, in a draft class where there are some explosive playmakers. But look, you know, let's not hold the fact that Georgia's offense, you know, there was a run first uh, mentality there. And then even when they did throw the football, there were a lot of weapons. So he didn't see the football quite as often. So can't hold that against him too much. You know, really what I want to see is what is he going to be able to, you know, time in the 40 and uh, showcasing some of that blocking ability um you know that's that's really going to be the big key you know as you go back and you study more film what is Isaac Nada doing um you know as a blocker is he a good inline blocker and I think he's one of the better inline blockers in this uh in this under underclassman class there for the tight ends Riley Ridley 6'2 200 pounds if you're just looking strictly on production you know 69 receptions 100 uh I'm sorry 1,015 yards and, uh, and 13 touchdowns in his three years there at Georgia. Um, you know, played in just 14 games in, in 2016 and 2017. Um, you know, but uh, if you just look at that, then you're wondering why he came out. But again, you know, Georgia, the way that offense was run, you can't really hold that against him too much. Um, you know, I, I compared him in the last podcast. I was talking about Odell Beckham Jr. not getting a ton of balls thrown his way uh, and was still able to be dynamic after the catch. But look, you know, I, I need to, you know, not be so hard on, on Ridley. You know, I, I think the, the talent, the athleticism is definitely there. Um, you know, being able to fight through the, the, the jam there at the line of scrimmage, his ability to, to get in and out of breaks, um, you know, the ability to adjust to the football while it's in the air, excellent hands, plucking the ball out of the air. You know, he's, uh, you know, Calvin Ridley's younger brother. And, uh, you know, he doesn't have the production that, that Calvin did at Alabama, but somebody who I think is going to be a second round pick and uh, could be a number two receiver for, uh, for an NFL team. Now transitioning from the Georgia Bulldogs uh, to Georgia State, uh, Penny Hart, uh, the diminutive receiver, 5'8", 180 pounds, guy who can stretch defenses. You know, really kind of a, you know, odd if you're looking at it at his numbers. 
you know, in, in 2015 as a freshman, really burst on the scene, 1,100 yards, uh, and then did the same in 2017. Uh, 2016 battled injuries, just two games, and then in 2018, you know, didn't have the the banner year I think that he was hoping for. Uh, you know, just 49 receptions, 669 yards, two touchdowns. Um, you know, after having 70 plus balls in each of the you know 2015 and 2017, you know, somebody who to me I think could be a slot receiver at the next level, um, probably be a late round pick. Uh, the question is really going to be what's he going to time. In the forty, um, you know, you there were times where he was able to separate from from guys vertically, but uh, you know, you didn't always see that. You know, time in and time out, um, you know, being able to sink in and out of his cuts, I think it's going to be key for him. Um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see. You know, he might be a flyer, you know, uh, late round pick, but I think he'll have a hard time getting drafted. John Ursua, Hawaii Rainbows. Uh, this was a guy who, you know, led the FBS in, in touchdown receptions with 16. Um, you know, just six rece- or six games played in, in 2016. Uh, I'm sorry, 2017. Came back at off of injury this year. Had a banner year. 89 receptions, three uh, over 1,300 yards, 16 touchdowns. Like I said, um, you know, a slot receiver if there ever was one. You know, 5'10", 175 pounds. A guy who does a really good job. Um, you know, understanding defenses, being able to find the soft spots in the zones, uh, works well over the middle, very, you know, fearless, uh, guy, you know, somebody who, who attacks the ball in the air and, and is able to secure it. Um, not again, not the biggest guy, I think from a medical clearance standpoint, make sure that everything is on the up and up, you know, again, missed, uh, all but six games in 2017 due to injury. Um, but I like John Ursua. I think he's a guy who, to me, um, you know, fifth, sixth round pick, but a guy who's who I think can stick on an NFL roster as that slot guy because of his uh, his reliability there. Um, you know, and a guy who who knows how to get open. Houston's Ed Oliver. Ed Oliver. You know, he got beat up this year a little bit. You know, in terms of. You know, talking about him, you know, he was 6'3", you know, probably played around the 270, 275 range. Um, never missed a game. You know, never missed, you know, and, and he played, you know, 90-plus percent of, of the, the plays there for the Houston Cougars. And then, you know, knee injury, you know, missed missed the last few games there for Houston and uh, got beat up a little bit about it. You know, is he 100%? You know, should he be playing? Should he not be playing? Look, this was a guy, effort was never an issue for me with this guy. Um, you know, somebody in his first two seasons, you know, really just, you know, captured everybody's attention, you know, as a true freshman, you know, 22 tackles for loss, five sacks, uh, six pass breakups, two forced fumbles, 65 total tackles as a defensive tackle, you know, really lined up um you know, over the nose, um, you know, follow that up 73 tackles, 16 and a half for loss, five and a half sacks. Um, you know, a, a guy who, uh, was about as dominant on the interior as, as, as anybody. And, you know, the, there's the YouTube footage of, of him and his athleticism, his ability to, you know, the footwork was, you know, is off the charts, his first step quickness, um, much like, like Quinn and Williams, uh, he makes him so difficult to, to block. You know, he's somebody who can shoot the gaps. Um, you know, people talk about, well, he's he's undersized. Um, but, you know, what he was able to do at the nose tackle position, again, he was affecting plays, you know, affecting every single play. You had to know where Ed Oliver was lining up. You had to make sure that 
if you know, you better not be blocking him one on one. You know, you have to throw multiple guys at him. And the real question is, is where is he going to line up? Is he going to be a three technique? Can't really line him over the up over the nose. You know, gosh, is he going to be a you know a three four defensive end? I really don't know where he's going to play. Um, so that could affect his draft stock, right? To me, if I'm a defensive coordinator, I'm looking at this guy and I'm like, I can play this guy all over the place. Whether it's a 34 defense, 4-3 scheme, I don't care. I can play this guy inside. I can play this guy outside. You know what? Let's stand him up a little bit. And uh, you know, because of that footwork, I want to see what the guy can do in space. You know, if this is a guy who can come off the edge, you know, in in space as well, play him a little bit off the line of scrimmage. You've got yourself a guy who can potentially play. You know, any line, you know, any position in that front seven. Uh, very versatile guy, in my opinion. You know, somebody who, you know, sure, you know, if he can potentially get overpowered at the point of attack, but uh, the, the the quickness, you know, and, and you know the unfair comparisons to uh, Aaron Donald, you know, obviously, you know, Aaron Donald, the 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 strength to go with uh, the quick, the first step quickness, um, but for me, at Oliver, um, the athleticism, he might be a little bit more athletic than than uh, Aaron Donald. So it's one of those things to me, um, you know, if he can get off the ball, you know, showcase that quickness um, and, and his ability to use his hands. You know, I think that's something that, um, you know, if he can do that, you know, he's splitting double teams, taking on triple teams. The effort was always there. He was always pursuing the football. And, and yeah, you know, he only had 13 and a half sacks in his career. Um, so you can get on him about that, but 53 tackles for loss, nearly 200 tackles, 11 pass breakups, five forced fumbles. Um, you had to know where Ed Oliver was on the field at all times. So for me, if I'm looking at it from that standpoint, you know, I'm, I want Ed Oliver on my team. You know, he may not be the the force that, that Quinton Williams was because Quinton Williams, you know, frankly, a little bit bigger guy. Um, but Ed Oliver still is a guy who can affect every every single play. Um, so I'm going to want to take him in my top 10. Iowa. Man, Iowa, you know, sending four guys to the NFL, uh, you know, as underclassmen, you know, obviously the two tight ends, uh, Noah Fant, 6'5", 241 pounds, the touchdown maker, had 11 in 2017, another seven in, in 2018, a guy who can stretch defenses down the middle of the field. Um you know, 69 receptions in his last two seasons. He's a guy who, uh, you know, over a thousand yards in those two years as well. Uh, 13.9 uh, yards per catch uh, in his in his career. Noah Fant, not known as a blocker, though. You know, Iowa tight ends traditionally coming out of a Kirk Ferentz uh, led offense uh, is going to be able to to block um, there out on the perimeter um, and, and between the tackles as well. You know, so Noah Fant. You know, is he to me? I, I kind of look at him as a potential Evan Engram type of type of player, a guy who can stretch defenses, and uh, depending on what he runs at the combine, could very well end up being a first round pick. I think the the more complete tight end though is is T.J. Hawkinson, the Mackey Award winner, forty nine receptions, seven hundred and sixty yards, six touchdowns, fifteen and a half yards per reception. Um, 6'5", 250 pounds. I think he's a better in you know inline blocker than, than Noah Fant and a guy who can catch the football and get down the field. He may not be quite as fast, but uh, a guy who can do a little bit of everything. And so that's something to me. I, I think you know TJ Hawkinson has a chance to be one of the you know top two or three uh, tight ends taken. I've got him right there with with Noah Fant and uh, and Irv, uh, Irv Smith Jr. When it's all said and done, you know Monty Hooker, the safety, six foot, 210 pounds. Um, 
did a little bit of everything for the Hawkeyes. You know, 65 tackles, you know, four interceptions, seven pass breakups. Uh, a guy who really played all over the field. Again, I need to do a little bit more game uh, study with him. Wasn't anticipating him coming out into the draft. Kind of played that safety linebacker hybrid a little bit. Um, you know, but I, I think safety would be his home at the next level. Uh, Anthony Nelson, the, the defensive end, 6'7", 271 pounds, um, you know, 23 sacks, 31 tackles for loss uh, in his career, seven pass breakups, four forced fumbles, uh, excellent length. I think that's one of the things that really jumps out when, when you look at him um, is is that length. You know, and that's, I, I think, um, that that's really the thing for me that, that I, I can say when I, when I look at him is... Uh, is the length and to me i think he's a prototypical uh three four defensive end you know i look at aaron smith of, of pittsburgh and maybe it's just the fact that aaron smith you know and and anthony nelson they both were wearing um you know the same colors you know, aaron smith bulked up was you know six five three hundred pounds uh coming out of northern colorado um you know 44 sacks in his in his career there with uh with pittsburgh seven forced fumbles um, excellent length. Um, you know, but I, I look at, look at him and, uh, you know, let's see, you know, he was drafted in the fourth round, you know, 109th overall, the Steelers in the 1999 draft. Um, and, and I look at, at Anthony Nelson. I think he could be a fourth rounder. I think he's a guy who could be a, a three, four defensive end, you know, that five technique. And uh, I think he can carve up a long career, um, for himself. I'm trying to find Aaron Smith. Let's see. Can't really find his collegiate stats offhand there at Northern Colorado. But, you know, like I said, I think he's someone, you know, he's 271 now. You put a, you know, another 20 pounds on him, uh, 6'7", 280, 290 pounds. Um, could definitely be a, a, a three, four, uh, defensive end, excellent length, like I said, and, uh, somebody who I think fourth round feels about right for him. Iowa state, you know, they're, they're two skill position players that were very dynamic. Uh, you know, David Montgomery, look, you know, five eleven, two hundred twenty pounds back to back thousand yard seasons. Um, you know, including, you know, over 1,200 yards this year, 13 touchdowns, 71 total receptions in his career. And for, you know, if you look at the yards per carry, yes, it was only 4.7. But the, the thing with him that I think is going to translate so well to the next level is, um, you know, that, that vision, the patience, uh, the pad level with which he runs, and then especially those lateral cuts. You know, the ability to make people miss in the backfield, um, with, with that cutback ability, um, you know, I, I think that's something he runs through contact very well. Um, but it, it's that, that lateral agility that you see from David Montgomery. He's not going to be the fastest running back. You know, don't, don't, don't get that twisted. But um, to me, David Montgomery is a guy who can absolutely play at the next level. Um, and somebody, look, you know, 624 carries in, in his career, including, you know, 250 in each of the last two years. Um, so there is a little bit of wear on those legs, but uh, again, you know, I, I think he's somebody who gets better and better as the game goes on. Wears defenses down, seems to always be falling forward. Um, so he, to me, he's a lot of fun to watch. As is Akeem Butler, six six, 225 pounds. Um, I was living with the the Harrison brothers there from from Kentucky. 
uh, the basketball players, and you really see the basketball mentality. This is a guy who's going to attack the football in the air like a basketball player. If you saw that, uh, the, the game against Kansas, not only does he go up and attack the football, but then he takes the safety and just throws them down. You know, just, you know, no, you know, no regard for, for the defenders, um, just really runs through contact, throws guys around very physical after the catch. Uh, you know, a guy who was making plays down the football field, showed that he can stretch defenses 22 yards per reception. Um, you know, a lot of plays were, were, uh, you know, down the field. You didn't see him coming back to the quarterback quite as much. So I think, you know, He'll have to answer to that. Can he get in and out of his breaks consistently? Was he able to do that with the Cyclones? Yes. Can he do it consistently? That's going to be the, the big question. Was not a huge factor in the red zone, but here's why. He was somebody who they would throw the football down the field to, you know, from their, their own, you know, own 40-yard line, things like that. And he was making plays down the football field. They didn't really use him much in the red zone. Why? Well, really because, you know, they had some other weapons. He was kind of their their game breaker down the football field. And plus they were giving the ball to David Montgomery so he could pound the football into the end zone. Um, You know, Hakeem Butler, 60 receptions, you know, 1,318 yards, nine touchdowns on the year. To me, he's a first-round receiver. You know, what's he going to time, you know, in the 40? That's going to be a huge question. Is he going to end up being a second-round pick? That's always the potential. There's a you know a chance that he can end up being uh, a second rounder, but to me, I look at him and I I definitely feel like he is going to be a uh, a first round pick there at the wide receiver position. Alex Barnes out of Kansas State, 6'1", 225 pounds, a big physical guy. Um, you know, and I think you know this this past year. Um, over 1,300 yards on the ground, 12 touchdowns, also caught the ball 20 times out of the backfield. Um, I, I think the physicality, he, look, he's, he's got his degree now. And uh, with Bill Snyder you know, stepping down, obviously Coach Kleiman coming from, from uh, North Dakota State. Um, but I think Barnes is looking at, at the standpoint of, you know, he's, you know, was, was the feature back there for the Wildcats um, and was able to put together a really nice season. Um, but, uh, so many backs here, he's somebody who's going to get lost in the, in the shuffle. And, uh, you know, I really think these next couple of months, he's going to have to, uh, wow somebody to really get taken early in the draft could end up being a, a later round pick. Um, you know, I thought very physical guy, um, you know, really that, that Bill Snyder type mentality fit very well into that. Um, you know, not a guy who's going to you know, beat you uh, with, with a ton of long runs, but a guy who can wear down defenses a little bit, more of a change of pace type of a guy, uh, which reminds you, reminds me a little bit of Benjamin Snell um, or, or Benny Snell for those of you, um, you know, or Kentucky fans, you know, that's what you knew him as. Uh, 5'11", 215 pounds, three straight 1,000-yard seasons. You know, the production got better and better as as the, uh, the years went along. Finished with... Uh, 1,449 yards, um, you know, five yards per carry, 16 uh, touchdowns. Look, he had 48 touchdowns in his career, 5.3 yards per carry, um, caught the ball a little bit out of the backfield, wasn't asked to do a ton there. But, you know, if you watch Kentucky play, this guy, basically their offense was, was uh, was Benny Snell. You know, and that's really one of the big concerns is you know, carry the ball 289 times in uh, 2018, 737 total carries in his in his career. So you have to worry a little bit about some of the wear on those legs. Um, but there's no question that that offense ran through him. 
you know, and I think what you can appreciate about him is he runs with attitude, man. I mean, he's somebody that, you know, you, you know, you watch Marshawn Lynch and the way that he ran, and you know Benjamin Snell, Jr. is the exact same way. You know, just runs with so much attitude between the tackles, uh, excellent vision, uh, able to put his foot in the ground and and get to the hole. Um, but it was that attitude, the physicality with which he runs. Um, you know, and that's something that you know he had a nose for the end zone, a guy who could play in the in the red zone. Uh, you know, um, you know, short line, you know, or short yardage goal line situations um you know to me um you know Snell more than likely going to end up being either a late day 2 probably early day 3 guy uh, I think what's really going to be huge is that 40 time because I, I think you know I, I don't know how fast he really is um is he a game breaker no um so the question is going to be what's that 40 time going to be and I think that's really going to um be a big determining factor in where he goes uh in the draft so we've gotten A through K on our underclassmen. I'm looking at really going from L through Z uh, for the remaining class in the next episode. Want to go ahead and get that to you here in the next couple of days. Uh, but I've got plenty of material here. We've got a lot of guys to cover. Obviously, Kyler Murray, we want to talk about him. We want to talk about uh, Rodney Anderson, his his you know, mate there in the in the, in the backfield for the Sooners. Um, you know, we want to look at uh, at quite a few other guys. JJ Arcega Whiteside. I definitely want to talk about him as a potential first round receiver. Um, you know, Lil Jordan Humphrey at, at Texas. You know, the running back that nobody's talking about. Um, Travion Williams. I don't understand why people are not talking about this guy. When you rush for you know over thirty six hundred yards and. 34 touchdowns and you catch 66 passes out of the backfield um you know you should be taken a little bit more seriously and and i honestly don't understand why people aren't talking about him more often um those are some guys that i definitely want to key in on obviously we'll take a look at every single underclassman and uh you know give you my thoughts on uh really where they fall and and what to expect from them in the coming weeks so Let's go ahead. I think this is a good stopping point here. We've gotten through, like I said, A through K. We'll get through L through through Z. Um, really, there is no Z. Um, you know, we're talking about uh, Johanna Gaffan, you know, Wyoming. So we'll get through uh, get through the Y, uh, the I'm sorry, the W's um, there. So uh, we'll get through the second half of the underclassmen. We'll start looking at uh, Senior Bowl. Senior Bowl this week. Um, I'm going to do what I can to get my hands on as much footage from the Senior Bowl as possible um, so that we can start talking about who's really separating themselves there. Um, you know, we talked about briefly the East-West um, Shrine game and the fact that Jordan Brailford was really the guy, to me, um, I thought was the best player on the field. I thought Brett Rippon definitely helped himself. He was the top quarterback there. You know, um, you, know you had David Blau. Uh, Jordan Ta'amu, uh, Taylor Cornelius, uh, Marcus McMarion, Easton Stick, but Brett Rippon clearly showed that he was the top uh, quarterback prospect there. Terry Godwin um, you know, really was able to showcase why he was the number one athlete coming uh, to Georgia. Um, you know, Sean Poindexter, Ronquavian Tarver, big receivers um, you know, that were showing that they can make some plays down the field. George, uh, Jonathan Duhart of Old Dominion, able to play out of the slot a little bit. Jamal Custis, um, you know, a very raw receiver, but a guy who can make plays on the outside. Um, gosh, Andrew Beck, um, you know, really the kind of do-everything H-back um, fullback, tight end, can do a little bit of everything. He's going to make an NFL roster. Um, 
absolutely. Um, when you look at the the lines, Nick Allegretti out of Illinois had a had a pretty good game overall. Um, you know, Oli Udo um, from Elon got the call up. Um, you know, when you're talking about 35 and three quarter inch arms, I mean, this guy's massive. Um, so he'll get a look there. Tyler Jones, NC State, uh, a guy who played left tackle there for the Wolfpack, played uh, primarily at guard in the East West Shrine game. And I thought that he had a, he looked good at times getting out, making, uh, making the pull. You can really see him um, playing guard at the next level. Uh, Lamont Gilliard uh, going against Dalen Mack up front. That was really fun to watch. Dalen Mack, speaking to him, they're on the West side. Uh, or on the West team, you know, it was just, you know, 6'1", 320 pounds. And, you know, I thought 2018 was his best year. Uh, somebody who was really starting to put things together. Someone who, uh, very stout at the point of attack, um, just plays with a low pad level. The speed to power is evident and uh, was really on display throughout the game uh, up front. Um, you know, defensively, Daniel Wise, you know, to me, um, Kansas, you know, a, a guy who could end up being a top 10 defensive tackle when it's all said and done. Got the bloodlines. His brother, Dietrich Wise, will be playing in the Super Bowl for the New England Patriots. Uh, Drew Lewis out of Colorado. Um, didn't realize just how fast this guy was. You know, he was flying around making plays. But Justin Hollins, you know, this is someone for me, people hadn't been talking about him all that often. I had him on my outside linebackers. I took him off uh, for a little while. And look, you know, I'm, I'm moving him back into uh, my, my top 10 outside linebackers after the play there. Um, had 10 tackles in the game, two sacks, three tackles for loss, a couple of quarterback uh, pressures. Um, a fumble recovery as well. Somebody who was able to, you know, rush the quarterback, bend off the edge, stack and shed, um, you know, and, and go after the football. Able to set the edge against the run. One of the best uh, performances there defensively. Um, you know, and, and you know, I, I thought Kadar Holman out of Toledo showed showed a little bit, you know, in, in coverage. Uh, as did Montre Hardage of, of Northwestern, not giving up on a play. Um, you know, stripping. Terry Godwin of, of the football after getting beat. Um, gosh, who else? B.J. Blunt out of McNeese State. Really excited to see him play. 20 tackles for loss, 11 sacks. You know, undersized outside line or uh, outside linebacker was able, I'm sorry, inside linebacker, uh, able to extend and, and, and pick off a pass during the game. I thought Blaze Brown out of Troy, very handsy uh, corner there on the outside. Got fooled a couple of times as well. Um Gosh, let's see who else. Uh, Ulysses Gilbert the third. If you've listened to my podcast, I really love this guy in coverage. He was somebody who was flying around all over the football field for Akron, the Zips in, in 2017. This year, he was basically covering guys out of the slot, and uh, he'll be somebody. You know, if he gets invited to the combine, somebody who's going to be running um, for days there. I, I, I'm really curious to see what he runs in the 40. Is he going to be a 4-4 guy? That'll be curious to see. Uh, Trey Watson, just a consistent performer there in the middle of the um, middle of the defense. And uh, to me, Trey Watson going to be a mid-round pick and be a solid performer there. Um, you know, let's see. Ricky Walker was was quick into the backfield quite a bit, as was Michael Dogby out of out of Temple. Um, gosh, you know, Sione Takitaki. Man, moving from defensive end to linebacker really paid off for him. Um, you know, Jordan Brailford, we've already talked about him. Um, a guy, if you've listened again to my podcast, Jimmy Moreland out of James Madison. This is a guy for me, 18 interceptions, six pick sixes. Um, 
nobody's really talking about him at the cornerback position. He was in my top 10 for cornerbacks. Um, and uh, he's somebody who I think might find his way back into it. Look, 5'11", 175 pounds. That might be a big reason why is, is he's a little bit slighter. But he has the same build as, as Byron Murphy. And, uh, you know, wouldn't be, you know, I've got about six or seven guys there in the cornerback, um, you know, draft class that I have kind of set in stone and it's just a matter of what that order is going to look like after that there are a lot of guys that are vying for that seven through ten and uh, I think Jimmy Moreland is going to be a guy right there so obviously you know the senior bowl will be fun to watch Nasir Adderley uh out of Delaware that safety Juan Thornhill a guy who has that versatility corner safety um you know those are some guys that we'll get to talk about a little bit here um you know, been talking a lot, like I said, about the underclassmen. So we'll be able to tr- make that transition, start talking about some of the seniors. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I hope you are as well. Make sure, you know, tune into the NFL Network and, and check out the, the Senior Bowl. Uh, I know that's what I'm going to be doing, checking out practice as much as I can um, to see what, uh, what type of development I'm going to see um, there out of some of these guys that I've seen during the season. Really want to see them go up, uh, you know, some of those one-on-one drills really start to see uh, you know, how some guys can translate to the next level and really a lot of those uh, glaring holes start to start to develop and you start seeing some of the guys, um, you know, if they're stiff, um, you know, in coverage, it starts coming out uh, in some of the one-on-one drills, as is, uh, you know, that O-line, D-line, you know, those are a lot of fun, fun as well. Can the linemen, um, you know, can they stone him? You know, do they have the kick slide capability? Do they have those power steps? Can they reset? Can they, you know, an- uh, re-anchor? How about the hand positions? Can they keep the hands inside? And then for the defensive linemen, you know, getting off the ball, can they fire off the ball? Can they, um, you know, get get low pad level? Um, are there secondary moves being used? You know, are they able to bull rush and drive a guy back into the backfield? Those are going to be things that I'm definitely going to be looking out for. So hope you've enjoyed uh, episode 17, really dedicated to the underclassmen. We'll do part two here in just a few days, uh, start talking about the Senior Bowl as well. And then uh, after that, we're going to have the Combine coming up in March. So uh, fast and furious here over the next few weeks, gearing up for the NFL Draft, April 25th to the 27th. 27th is my brother's birthday, by the way. Uh, but 25th to the 27th in Nashville, Tennessee, I'm looking forward to it. I hope you are as well. This is a fun time of year, being able to evaluate the talent, all the work that I've put in, watching all the games, 250-plus games throughout the season, being able to then see what the talent can do Um, when you see them take the pads off and what can they do, what do they look like in some of these drills, that's really what I'm looking forward to at this point Um, and then really going to work and putting together some of my mock drafts and and such, so I'm a little behind the eight ball with this Achilles injury but now that things have kind of settled down there um, I'll really be able to get going and get that uh, first mock draft uh, you know, for the first round at least, uh, get that together here in the next couple of weeks. Get that out to you, and uh, we'll take things from there. Obviously, you have the Super Bowl uh, Sunday, February third. The Rams, the Patriots, should be a fun, a fun game. Tom Brady versus Jared Goff. Bill Belichick versus Sean McVay. Is this a changing of the guard, or is it more of the same? Is it going to be you know, that, the swan song there for the Patriots? Um, it'll be interesting to see exactly what that outcome um, you know, brings to us. But uh, I hope everyone has a great week, and uh, we will talk soon. Until then, this is Greg Schutz for ReadyForTheDraft.com. This is the Ready For The Draft podcast, and I am 
out of here. Take care, everyone.